Welcome to Let's Get Writing, the podcast that explores the creative process of writing from books, scripts, plays, and poems to songs and blogs. This series focuses on authors, publishers, and artists. Catherine's guests share their process of writing in all its forms. Listen along to discover the personal journeys behind their work. Explore options from indie to traditional publishing and learn tips and secrets to inspire you. Welcome to Let's Get Writing. Welcome to Let's Get Writing. I'm Catherine Mousseau. Now, the premise of this show is to help you determine if perhaps there's a book in your head or in your heart. And I thought it would be a great series because I hear from so many people that, yeah, I'd really like to write a book. So we're going to give you one less excuse <laughs> with Let's Get Writing. We're going to hopefully share a lot of really great information with you on how you can write a book. And today, my guest is William J. Nippard, better known to me as Bill. Bill. Welcome, Bill. Great to be here. It's good, actually, to be okay. back with yeah. you. We did a wonderful series on your book, The Teamwork Ladder, and uh, that was so much fun. That's fine. I'm glad to be back. Yeah, and I'm really glad to have you back. But the focus today is a bit different. The focus is going to be on the process of how you created that book. And we want to get inside your head a little more mm. and find out what that experience was like for you. And I think that's my first question. You know, what was that experience like? How did you come up with the idea? Why did you come up with the idea? Great question. I, I think for most nonfiction writers, I think it begins with some topic or some subject that resonates deep within us, something that connects with you. So you want to explore it more. And so I didn't begin with the objective of, I'm going to write a book. I began saying, I want to understand why some organizations, why some businesses thrive and others seem to sputter their way through. And as I dug deeper and deeper, and, and you know, I'm, remember I'm a tender age of 20 plus <laughs> at this point, early in the workforce. Okay. So I want to understand this. This, this really grasped me, the, 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 the dichotomy between, between offices that thrive and those that just barely survive. What is it? What makes up that? Mm -hmm. And, and it, it was my gut feeling that it had to be something that must be counterintuitive or else everybody would be doing it. Everybody wants to feel like they're winning at work. So why aren't they? So as I got into that, of course, and researched it and spoke with whoever would give me some time, yeah, and really invested in it, I began speaking about it. Oh, here's a solution and there's a solution. And it gained interest with other people. And before long, I found myself before, before an audience, before you know, public speaking about the issue, going into various businesses. And uh, from that, people would ask me, they'd say, do you have anything in writing that I can take away from this? I began to think, it's like, a, you know, one of those the aha moments. No, maybe I should get some of this down in writing. And there was the first thought. I mean, I've been into this for maybe a decade now mm -hmm. at this point of mm -hmm. speaking and, and learning and researching and sort of thing. And uh, so there began the process of writing. And I, I, I began writing just to make it uh, some materials to give at speaking engagements and professional groups and AGMs and conventions, wherever I was speaking, you know. So that was the process for me. It didn't begin with, I want to write. So that's so it was a very on. organic process. And oh. yeah, you know, I mean, and, and that makes total sense to me. 
particularly for a work of nonfiction. Fiction, yeah, mm. yeah. You have, you have you have to have something that really grasps you so much so that you just want to dive into it. And when you do receive the information, what do you want to do? You want to share it. Mm-hmm. And so I think there's a creative spot somewhere within all of us too that we want to express it through words. Maybe I'm generalizing, but it seems to be everyone has a story within them on something, I, whether it's fiction I, or nonfiction. Well, they want to get out. Look at Newfoundland. I mean, we're we're storytellers yeah. by nature. There you go. Of course, yeah. Right, yeah. and we bring uh, you know we have a lot of musicians, we have a lot of comedians, and 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 those musicians and comedians are in practically every house. I'm True. not talking oh, on indeed, TV indeed. or on the stage or anything. Yes. They are everywhere. Yeah. So our culture, I think, lends itself to this desire of well, story mm-hmm. and, and for whatever reason it could be a, a folklore background yeah. in it or, yeah. or whatever, just the way we blend it. Mm-hmm. However, I, I know I you know but it's did it feel daunting nevertheless? I mean it, it grew organically or, or did that just smoothly Well work? I enjoyed it so much. <laughs> you know, it's like if you if you had your best meal and you're sitting down, is it a struggle to get through that meal? It wasn't. For me, now you may speak to five other authors and say it was at times, but I never found it that way because I just enjoyed it. Now, there were times when I would think I was making progress only to have someone else discuss or read that section and they say, oh, that's not very lucid. I didn't really get what you're saying there. So then I begin again, but I, I don't remember ever feeling discouraged in the process. And because I just enjoy talking about it and learning it, it wasn't work. Yeah. It was fun to do for me, and it still is. Mm-hmm. It still is. And I, and I, I think, I think that's a lot of the way that writers start. It starts being that joy, and sometimes I think that first book comes out of that. Then somebody reads it, and you know, you find it's not quite, of course, yeah. quite as good of as course, you thought yeah. it was. So th- that's the editing process. It yeah. becomes a little more work at that mm. point when you go back to it, mm. and possibly when you approach, okay, now I've done that. Where do I go from here? You got to create it. Again, again, and again, yes, and again. indeed. That's yes, when indeed. maybe yeah. possibly some of the yeah. joy. But if you yeah. look at someone like a, a James Patterson, who's just he's doing a lot of teaming up with people now, right. churning out books, right? Book yeah, shots, and mm-hmm. I mean it's oh yeah, it's yeah, endless. On a different level. It's on a different level. It it, it yeah. is endless where you can find your you know your cre- creative sparks. But yeah. I suspect the workshops were a, a big tool for you. Oh, indeed. Oh, indeed so. And then the feedback is enormous. And you get, you know, in my mind and in, in, in within my soul, we'll say, I have a comfort level with, with, with the knowledge I've gained. But then as you go to relate that to other people, they have their own, you know, their own narrative going on that they're trying to plug this into. Mm-hmm. And so there you, you need to say, oh, I need to emphasize this part of it more because what I ended up where this, you mentioned it's organic, it's ongoing, it's a process, and indeed it was. And I began more or less writing and speaking about specific topics, and eventually it became a model. It became mm-hmm. like a recipe, you know, for, for leadership, for office managers and owners and so on. Uh, and it took a while to develop that model, that template of eight principles. But first I was speaking to one principle and then another principle and another and you know, it, it took a process to get there, mm-hmm. which is what the book ends up being, is that model, that template. Well, it's interesting when you talk model and template. Mm. That brings me to the question, you did not start from an outline. Not as such, no. Uh, when I began, when I realized, and again, there was a demand for people saying at some of my speaking engagements that they want to take something away. 
And I knew my theory was there, but it was rough. It wasn't put together. So I began refining some of the principles. There was overlap with them, and, and they could be put under, like, let's take the big topic of communication. How big is that? Mm-hmm. We, we, can, we can split that into numerous aspects. So let's converge that and make it one principle. And what's the most important part of that communication, that interaction between people, staff and customers and so on. Uh, so yeah, in the end, yeah, I did have an outline of my eight principles and now I must put them together and make some sort of model and then the creative aspect plugged in because I use the analogy of a ladder with sides right. and rungs, this sort of thing. So yeah, it was an ongoing process, but I didn't from day one say, okay, here's here's my chapter one, here's chapter two, and yeah. here's chapter three, sort of. Well, you know, I mean, that's a big thing here. I've attended many, many workshops, you know, with romance writers of America, and, and you go in to hear these people, and they give you these formulas, yeah. and you come out of it, and you're going like, oh, okay, I'm doing it so wrong. Yeah. But I think your first book does come somewhat organically. And there, there are terms I know in fiction. In fiction, they say you you work with an outline, or you buy the seat of your pants, which you're a uh, pantster. Is okay. what they call you. Yeah. And I was a pantster with definitely my my first book. But I think now, knowing what I know, I think yeah. I would probably do a combination of both. Mm. Even though if I had an mm. outline, I think your characters. Sure. And I mean, I'm in yeah. fiction. Yes. You're in nonfiction, right. yeah. but. Yeah. I think as I approach my second book, I'm going to do an outline as best I can. Because mm. creatively, mm. sometimes I find it hard to work that way. Yeah, I, I, I agree with the outline. It has to have some wobble room, I think. You can't mm-hmm. box yourself in mm-hmm. or you stunt your creativity. But obviously, exactly. it has to have a beginning, middle, and an end. And it has to work towards something. There has to be some flow to it. So, so there is a general outline, of course, it has to be. But I don't like the idea of saying, this is the way you must write a book. Mm-hmm. What does that do? You'd think we'd have a bookshelf full of just this exact same. It would be boring to pick them up. And your style of writing has to, you have to come through in your book. Yeah, yeah you, you know, this is voice. This is, someone who were to take this book and read it, they go, okay, that's Bill. That's yeah. him. Of course, it has to be, or else it's not authentic. You know, exactly. It's idiosyncratic in that this is me. This is how I relate to the world. This is how I plug in. This is how I think everyone should plug in. And so, in a nonfiction, I would assume it's the same thing. Your specific style has to. Oh, it's you know, called your voice. Your it's voice. How do you find your voice? And I think as readers come to engage with your writing, they expect the voice. And I think that's something yeah. that a lot of our authors have struggled with, where all of a sudden they they are in one genre or one voice, and then they want to move to a different genre. Say they're writing romance, they want to move to horror. Hmm. Their readership did not come from horror no, and they are not going to yeah. transport over no. So those are yeah. some of the challenges that, that, you know, people are, they find when they're, they're, they're finding their niche. You know? Yeah. And then don't, don't actors struggle with that as well. Yeah, they do. They, they get cast yeah. in a certain role and now if you are the bad guy, if you're the villain, yeah. then you must be the villain in the next well, show. Well, listen, if you were so, Judd so. Clapton and Beverly Hillbillies, <laughs> yeah. you know, it was really hard to get <laughs> right. it. And we can think of it in many, many shows. Of course. Um, you know, Gilligan's Island. Right. Gilligan yeah. never, ever, ever right. got off that island. And I actually heard an interview one time by John Ritter from Three's Company. Right. That he wanted to do some serious roles. Yeah. And the audience, you know, we can't see you as that role. Yeah. 
I, I, you know, so again, that's something in people and yeah. people are thinking of writing. Um, it was always recommended to me, read a lot, read a lot to find sure. out what you're liking, where you feel comfortable. Yeah. That might be your spot. Yeah. And uh, you're not reading to, to copy or anything. You're no. reading to just understand right. because it's a very diverse marketplace. Yeah. So when people have your book, it's your yeah. voice. That's right. Your yeah, next book, they're going to expect some of the... Same, yeah, whistle. I'm sure the style will still yeah. be there. It's mm -hmm. the same voice will still be heard. That's what you yeah. hope. Now, Bill, when did you feel that the book was done? It still isn't done. There you go. It's <laughs> never I done. I knew you would say that. <laughs> no, yeah. Well, kind of what I did, the editing process was layered. And when I had the rough copy, before I gave it to editing for grammar, these sorts of things that they take their microscope out of. Mm -hmm. I sent it to leaders from all over, whoever would take a copy and read it and give me feedback on it. So that was kind of the first big filter for me. Well, I didn't understand what you're trying to say here under this. Can you make that a little clearer sort of thing? Or someone said, oh, I love this. You need to say a little more about this. And so I took all that feedback from various people. You know, I remember uh, Jay Triano at the time, the coach who was the Toronto Raptors, he messaged me and he'd say, oh, I'm in Chicago tonight and I brought your book along and I was just reading before the game. And I'd go, wow, this is cool. Oh, this is, you know, sort of but yet he would relate it because it's teamwork. Right. So he would relate it to team on the course. And it, is there a parallel? Of course, there should be. We're borrowing the word team from the sports world. So he would, he would make comments to me about the aspect of how true this is on the court versus in the staff room or wherever, you know. So I take that and I do, that was my first editing process. Okay, I have to ask you, because I yeah. think this is important for people to know, how did you get your book out? You, how, you know, was it a book form? It wasn't a book form. No, no, no. So it, it was, was a PDF document? Yeah, that's what it was. And, and he did the hard copy himself. He just printed it off. Okay. And, yeah. But so, so, because so he said, I like a hard, I said, do you want me to send you a hard, to him specifically, do you want me to send you a hard copy? He's, no, just send his file and I'll print it off because I like having something in my hands. Most I don't, people. Yeah, I don't just want to read it. It's computer uh, screen. So just out of the blue, yeah. you did a list of these are people I did, like to. that I respected myself. Yeah. I liked their style. Yeah. I liked how they plugged into life. Well, obviously, we want to be on the same, but yet from diverse backgrounds. And I sent out numerous requests, some I never heard back from. That's Others like him said, sure, send it. No promises. Send it. You know, sure. Zig Ziglar, I never expected to hear back from. And months had gone by, like many other I sent out sure. to. And suddenly I get a phone call, actually. You know, so, well, from his assistant at the time and saying, you know, he's read your book and he's uh, liking what he reads and so on. And he had and some advice uh, for it. And so, he's yeah. on the book here, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah. He, he did. Uh, so, yeah, he gave some good praise for it. He did, yeah. yeah. The timing of it was such, he had an accident, I don't know if you know his life story, but uh, he had an accident, he fell in steps and lost his memory before he died and so on. So that was while this was going on, actually. But yeah, to answer your question, yeah, I just sent it out there and whatever came back, came well, back. So, so the... the, the uh, the thought process here is be brave. Don't oh, yeah. What's sabotage yourself. Just just take a chance. Yeah. What's the worst thing? They Absolutely. don't get back to you. Absolutely. They're, they're likely not going to write and say, who Absolutely. are you to think you can write a book? Well, and I mean, I know there's, a lot of these guys are busy and they have yeah. full lives. And, and sometimes it's just another name coming across their desk. Uh, I know the Ziegler Foundation, they told me, they have an aspect to their foundation. That's all they do is receive inquiries from people saying would you read my book mm -hmm. and it had been five years since they had endorsed a book actually that's so that was great for me as well that was mm -hmm. a boost of motivation sure. there yeah. but why not if you don't send it out 
You already have a no. That's so what's right. the worst going to happen? And Send it out. Maybe you'll get a yes and we'll get some good feedback. And I think sometimes as a, a, a writer, you have a lot of talk going on in your head. Of course. And especially as a fiction writer, you have all kinds of talk going on in your head. This character, that character. Oh, it's incessant. Yeah. It's, it's, but, you know, you sabotage yourself before you take the step. And, and I think that's where it's good to have a good support network out there for yourself, whether it's a, a friend, whether it's someone you're, you're living with, um, you know, just find some of those cheerleaders that, that you can talk to once in a while and say, yeah, do it, do it, you know, and, and, and that worked well for you. You talk a lot about motivation and so on in your book, so I have to ask you, did you ever feel discouraged in the process? I, I, I didn't, and I hope that doesn't, like, almost like I should have, but I didn't. I just enjoyed it. I, I was I was thriving as I moved through the process, and it was such a learn. I loved to learn, and I was learning as I went, and I realized how much I didn't know, and I still realize how much I don't know. So I just want to know more, and I want to understand, and so I, I was just a sponge. Uh, but I, I I actually don't remember ever being discouraged in the process. Maybe there was, but I don't recall. It's almost like I should have been. <laughs> no, but that, that, that's good. It doesn't have to be that way. Everyone's experience can be different. Yeah. So, okay, so we've kind of gone through the process. You've gotten the book out. Tell me a little more about the publishing process for you. What did you, yeah. uh, what yeah. did you go through? Well, the, I was going to say hundreds. I'm sure it wasn't hundreds of publishers that sent out, but there were a lot. And if there was a discouraging factor, maybe there, maybe there was, because you, you get these envelopes back, you know, mm, nope. sorry, we're not... And I soon realized that publishers don't really, this was, this was a, a moment, and, and maybe your listeners can, this is of good value to them, that most publishers, if not all, aren't so concerned, it seems to me, about the content as they are about your audience. Because mm-hmm. they're concerned about selling books. So how many people are following you? What organizations are you involved in? What exposure do you have to get the book out there? And uh, that would be the first filter for many publishers. Uh, who didn't even look at the book yet. Mm-hmm. They just want to know how many people can you connect with and what groups are you involved in. Is this your first book? That's tough. You know, and I'm not meaning to interrupt you, but no, this thought just came yeah. through so clear. You do hear that. Yeah. Build your platform, build well, your first, platform, yeah. get your webpage, right. um, newsletters, have people sign up, yeah. start to build your yeah. contacts. And what you were doing... I was very naive to that, but I was naive to that, what you're saying. I didn't realize that the better the quality this book is, the more publishers are going to want it. But it didn't seem do. to be so. Yeah. I, yeah. I think so you're a, right. You have to make those connections. It's Again, it's a team involved in this. It's a team. <laughs> and you're not an island. You're not an island just writing alone you know, well, and people are going to come get your thing you have to connect beforehand that's right mm-hmm. i think i think the more you have that the more they're inclined to say if they google you or go on facebook and yeah. see that you've got yeah you know five thousand people following you and you're, yeah. you're that's that, that whole yeah. bit that that's huge yeah. and i think as writers we think it's got to be perfection yeah between the pages right right but it's only part of it yeah it is mm-hmm. that's well said and that that's that's why I think sometimes we can have this what's known as the imposter syndrome where you say, I didn't major in English, you know, I'm not a writer, so who am I to be doing this? Well, listen, like we said earlier, there's something within you that you can put on paper and if you feel strongly about it, do it. Just start writing. Just start doing it. And start connecting with people. And before long the process will you'll engage with it and it will engage with you. And you'll you'll attract like minded people to your project. Excellent advice. Just get started. So who did you finally, who found you or? 
Who did you find? Yeah, in terms of publishing? Yeah. 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 Publishing. Thomas Nelson got back to me and said they were very interested in the concept. Uh, they liked the analogy I was using. That was unique. It was new, you know, sort of thing. Uh, and so we engaged in some conversation. And what they offered me, I really wasn't happy with in terms of I didn't plan on making this a career as mm-hmm. such. You know, I'm a dental hygienist, as you know, as a career. I didn't want to burn that bridge. So to make the commitment to the publisher full time, I would have kind of had to do that. So they had a subsidiary company, Westwell Press, and they said, let's work with them. then." And so we kind of met halfway uh, between, I suppose, self-publishing and, a tradi- and the traditional, traditional mm-hmm. thing. And so we ironed out a contract that was comfortable with both of us. But it, it became, they were the first ones who contacted me. Now, after I did receive some mail after people that were also interested, but I had invested at that point in saying, okay, yes, I'm going to go with well, this. Well, you, ha- you have to make the so, commitment. Yeah. At that point of course, I forward. jumped on it. Of course, first time author, here yeah. comes the first letter. I have to reopen the envelope. Sorry, we're not sorry, we're sorry. And then it's like, ah. Yeah, you, you have yeah. lots of produce. So. Right. And Thomas Nelson is well known, I'm, you know, a reputable publishing company worldwide so you know there's a lot of um i think people are confused these days about how to approach publishing publishers self-publishing i'm going to delve into that more in other um, sure series to hopefully give a a clearer vision to people about what those both those two options Options are are. because i think even we're in the middle of it and i think at times we're we're still going oh and i think it depends what you want to do with your book true you know if you want to be a new york Times bestseller then you probably shouldn't self-publish you shouldn't although although it has but but they had to be taken up i understand but like for me again it was for me i wanted to be material to pass out i had no aspirations to even though it did quite well it did become in two different genres a top seller but I never planned that so for me you you know that's why I kind of shy shifted a bit away from Thomas Nelson said yeah let me work more with Westbow so that felt like pressure to you it did to have to go out it kind of did yeah, yeah. It, it kind of shaped some of the joy I realized and I think joy is important to you I mean that comes yeah. Yeah. definitely in your book yeah. that to be in alignment with what of you're course, doing of course of course yeah so yeah. so bill as you went through that process did they they, they were okay with that that you weren't going to be out there doing book signings everywhere and so on. no they weren't okay with it they weren't okay with that. <laughs> okay i'm taking a yeah, understand. they just yeah. want to make money from it. of course for me it's intrinsic joy yeah for me it's as important as the dollar is of course and of course of making a livelihood from it is great and and we plugged in some great charities with them. That was great. But for me, especially as a first-time author, maybe I'll be different on the second book that's coming along. Mm-hmm. But for this one, it was just it was just joyful to do it. It was fun. Mm-hmm. Maybe comparatively, it's like someone playing a game of hockey on the side of the rink and suddenly they're getting a paycheck and they have to perform now. Mm-hmm. There's a different plug-in to that. I know. I think there's a shift. So I, the marketing part of things, which I would have had really been involved in, uh, under the original contract, it took the fun out of it for me. Well, you yeah. may you may change your mind at some. And that was idiosyncratic. Other people would say, "You fool, go do this," <laughs> you know. But yeah. for me, you have to know yourself, and you have to know why you're in this. What are you in this for? Well, people can so, still find your book at chapters. It's oh yes, Amazon, Barnes and Nobles, all the major. Yes, and, and I didn't do that. They did that. They put that. 
publishers do that. So it is there. Now I have to ask because yes. you know, is there there another book in the works you've alluded to? So I know there. Oh is, yeah, but yeah. Of tell us about that. Yeah, yeah. So my experience with this was it was meant to be, as I said, a recipe or a template for for managers and owners to say where are the dysfunctions in our weaknesses in our, in, in our staff in my business how do i plug into it well here's the eight here's the list one two three five six seven eight where how do i plug into that and as i went around the country and spoke to numerous people they'd say well that's great if you have authority to make these changes but what if you don't what if i'm a blue collar worker i'm an employee and i agree with all this these principles are great but there becomes a point when I really can't take a hold of that because I, I'm not the manager or the owner. So the second book deals more for the employer than the manager or the owner. So this book, it's, it's around what I refer to as the Monday Friday syndrome, where we dread Monday mornings and we long for Friday. Oh, yes. Afternoons. Yeah. Yeah. I call it a syndrome because it's kind of what it is and it's so prevalent, prevalent that uh, it needs to be addressed. And so it doesn't mean these principles don't apply. They sure do. But what control do you have if so you you're don't speaking, have a title? So you're speaking to the employees. I'm speaking more to the employees this oh, time around. Yeah. 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 Right. Well, I'm sure that that's going to be an incredibly popular book as well, especially, you know, because I really enjoyed this book and got a lot of value from it for sure. And it's a great read. Mm-hmm. There's no doubt about it. But I'm, I'm, I know what you mean. I, I think that's someone who's yeah. actually working within the system would want something to say, okay, well, what's in this what that I, I can actually mm-hmm. employ to make mm-hmm. my my life yeah. better? Bill, I, you know, I can't believe how quickly time goes when I sit down to talk to you every time, but like on these topics. But how, like if people would like to reach out to you, what are the best ways they can do that? Well, you can follow me on Instagram or Twitter, uh, Facebook. I feel like my website's currently under redesign. I'm totally rechanging the website because there are other things I'm involved in as well as, mm-hmm. as just this book. So we've changed from teamworkladder.com to people who may know that uh, to another name. And we're not quite sure what that'll be. It'll probably just be my name.com, mm-hmm. but we'll see. But yeah, Instagram, uh, the team, at the Teamwork Ladder, Twitter, at, at Teamwork Ladder, Facebook. I post various tidbits from this book, other things about real life, about working life, you know, whether it's motivational or whether it's just something that we can relate to to help us get through a day. Well, that's great. They know how they can reach you. And what you're doing, Bill, is you're branding now oh, in go. a much stronger way. I know. I, you know, I'm really into branding these days. Thank you so much. Thank you. A Always pleasure. a pleasure. All right. Always. Keep writing. Absolutely. Oh, that, that won't end. There's no finish line. There's no finish line. Thanks very much. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening. We'd love to hear from you. So please let us know what you thought of this episode and share your ideas for future guests or topics. You can email us at letsgetwriting at katherinetaylor.ca. Don't forget to subscribe and even leave a review. If you love this episode, share it with a friend. Until next time, believe in yourself and let's get writing.